Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. It certainly always is worthy of praise, no matter what you may be going through or how bad things may seem around you. Uh, he's worthy. And uh, if we can oftentimes get our eyes lifted above our troubles, we can see that much more clearly and uh, see that he's still good and see that he's still gracious and kind. And uh, I'm thankful that that doesn't change. Uh, no matter what we're facing, what's going on in our life, who he is and his greatness and his glory is, is not diminished. It does not change. And uh, that's something we can always praise and adore in him this morning. Anybody have a praise on your heart before we get dive ourselves into the word of the Lord this morning? All right, if not, you will find your place in Mark this morning, Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter 11, and we'll begin reading in verse 20, and we'll read through verse number 26 as we continue with our, uh, in our focus or study, if you will, on prayer, and that brings us this morning to Mark chapter number 11, as you find your, uh, or have found your place, so I ask if you will to stand with me this morning as we read the word of the Lord. Bible says this, and in the morning as they passed by, that's Jesus and his disciples, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answer, answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. God, we thank you this morning uh, for our songs that we've been able to sing, God, and thank you for grace. Uh, Lord, we looked this morning in my Sunday school class of, in John chapter number 8, where the woman was caught in adultery, and Lord, she met grace, Father, when she was worthy of being stoned to death. Lord, that was, that was her situation. That was have, what was due her name. That was the wages for her sin. But God, your grace stepped in. Lord, I'm thankful to know that grace today, and I'm thankful to be able to preach that grace this morning. God, thank you for the reality of it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we open up your word this morning, God, to have a heart to grow in truth, to have a heart that wants to grow in Christ's likeness. Uh, but Lord, that's something we cannot create in ourselves. That's something I cannot generate this morning. Lord, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we come to you this morning that you would use your word today to transform us, to mold us further into your image. God, if there's someone here today that's not alive in Christ, that does not know the grace of Christ, Lord, I pray that you'd use your word this morning to bring them to know the forgiveness that 
comes from you that's mentioned at the end of these verses, Lord, that is that the woman in John chapter number 8 come to know the forgiveness that comes through Christ alone. Lord, we love you today, and in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing this morning. In James chapter number 5, a passage I'm intend on us looking at once we make our way on into the New Testament. But James chapter number 5 verse 17 and 18 says that Elias or Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. What this tells you and I is Elijah was a man who had great power in prayer. He prayed that it wouldn't rain. So for three and a half years it did not rain and then when the famine was over he prayed that it would rain and then rain came according to the prayer of Elijah. And this is found in 1 Kings 17 and 18 and also what you'll find in those verses is Elijah on Mount Carmel where many people are familiar with what happened on Mount Carmel where he challenges the prophets of Baal and encourages them to call on their God to send down fire and he kind of mocks them and, and picks at them if you will telling them that maybe they need to cry louder because maybe, uh, maybe their God is, is asleep. Maybe he just can't hear them. And so he's, uh, he's, a, he's urging them to manifest the power of their God. And, of course, he know, knew that uh, Baal was no God. And so he, then he began, to, of course, they threw water on the altar that they had, they had set up, and he called down fire from heaven. And that's exactly what happened leaving all the prophets of Baal standing there looking silly. Elijah was a man of, of prayer, a man that had power in prayer. My question for us this morning, the reason I bring all that to mind is to ask this question, how often do we feel like we have this kind of power in prayer? The kind of prayers that when we pray for it not to rain, it does not rain. Of course, we have to take all this into context of when it was given, the Lord's purposes. But nonetheless, many people this morning feel as if their prayers never even get answered, that they pray prayers that uh, the Lord does not even hear. But yet you read of accounts like Elijah who prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. And then he prayed it would rain and rain fell. And he prayed for fire to fall from heaven. And then fire fell and engulfed the, alt the altar that was set up. Many people have they they have discord there not understanding how they read about these powerful instances of prayer but many times we pray for things and years and years go by we don't see these things answered and maybe in our heart of hearts we feel like we're not even asking for as much as for fire to fall down from heaven we get confused maybe about what how that occurred and our own our own prayer life and what's taking place well even our passage of scripture is talking about moving mountains through prayer Many people, again, we see there a clear expression of the power of prayer. And it's certainly the opposite of feeling like our prayers go unanswered or are ineffective. So, so what, are, what are we missing here? What, what, what is, is it my understanding or what's, why is my prayers not seem to be answered sometimes at all? But I read in the word of the Lord where prayers can move mountains and a man called down fire from heaven by prayer. Well, we know that God's power is not in any shortage of supply. God's power is not weakened since the biblical days. That's certainly not the answer to the question that may arise. So maybe it has something to do with our, our praying. So what does it take this morning to have a 
powerful or to pray powerful difference making prayers. How do we pray effectively? The Bible says, for one, faith, faith is an essential part of powerful prayers. Specifically, according to verse number 22, our faith must be in God. Our object of our faith, the object of our trust, the object of our confidence must be Him. The object of our faith is not my ability to pray. It's not the way I use words. It's not the way I articulate things. That's not my confidence. That's not my assurance. My faith, my confidence is in God. It's in Him. My, the thing my faith is in is not in what I'm asking for and that my peace and my, my answer and what I'm looking for is not necessarily what I'm praying and asking for. My faith and your faith must be in God as we pray. Jesus, what brings his statement to pass in verse number 22 is interacting with nature in these verses of Scripture, specifically more so before we picked up our reading in verse number 13. Jesus is walking with his disciples and it says in verse 13, Seeing a fig tree afar off, off in the distance, having leaves, he came and happily he might find anything thereon. He's looking for figs, he's looking for fruit. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto the fig tree, unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard him. And then Jesus goes in and uh, verses 15 through what we read and, and tosses the, the tables over in the temple where they had turned his house into a den of thieves rather than what it was supposed to be, which I think is worth noting in our study on prayer, where it was supposed to be a house of prayer. It turned into a house or a den of thieves. And so Jesus uh, flips those tables, gets angry at what they had turned his house into. And then that's where we pick up in verse number 20. The disciples are walking the day after that has taken place. They come to the fig tree and it's dried up. It's withered, and it's not just a, a superficial type of, of drought. It's not just the, the buds, but the Bible tells us it was from the very roots that this tree had withered and dried up. There's a lesson here. There's two lessons here, really, and just to briefly mention the first, Jesus, why, why does this happen? Why did Jesus take the time to curse a fig tree? Was Jesus just acting in a moment of unconstrained anger and emotional heightened sense. Uh, no, that's of course not our Lord. Jesus is teaching his disciples something. Jesus is announcing judgment on his people who are, who are illustrated through the fig tree. They're supposed to bear fruit. God's people are supposed to bear fruit, but they didn't. The leaves are comparative to their self-righteousness where they looked good. They, they tried to maintained certain aspects of the law, created other things that they called law, and so on the outside they looked good, they were religious, but they did not have any real fruit. And therefore Jesus is announcing judgment on their lack of fruit, their lack of sincerity, their lack of truly knowing God and bearing fruit through Him. But also, as which will be our focus, which the text begins to make the focus, is Jesus was teaching them about the impact of how this occurrence can have an impact and should have an impact on our prayer life. So Peter, in verse number 21, as we might would expect, <coughs> is the one who opens his mouth. Peter's the talk of the bunch. And Peter remembers what the Lord had said the day before. And so he says, Lord, 
look at this fig tree, the one you've cursed, it's now withered away. And Peter, Jesus' response to Peter in this situation, he says in verse 22, have faith in God. What Peter should not, or really Peter should not have been surprised by the fact the tree was drying up. If Jesus had spoken the word against the fig tree, Peter should probably be more surprised if the tree hadn't dried up and if the tree hadn't withered away. If Jesus had spoken a word against the fig tree, what else would you expect? That when you walk by, if Jesus says that this fruit, that this tree will never bear fruit again, from hereafter, he says in verse number 14, then what else should we expect? So Jesus is using this fig tree to teach his disciples something that he's also teaching us this morning, that we must have faith in him. That if he says this fig tree is going to be cursed and it's never going to bear fruit again, then you and I can be confident that this fig tree is going to be cursed and it's never going to bear fruit again. Be sure this morning that Jesus, our Heavenly Father, can do whatever we ask of him. Have faith in his power. Jesus brings that, specifies that in verses 23 through 24 and, and draws from that, the application of that, into our prayer life in verse 23 and 24. Have faith in God. Just as much as he can cause that fig tree to never bear fruit again, we should have confidence in him that he can do whatever he wants to do. So he says, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. I re uh, in reading this, I, and I, in commentaries I was reading it, talked about, and I as I read this, I thought about James, what he shared with us from his trip to Israel, and how he, he realized and recognized that most of what Jesus said when he said it, based on where he was, had there was pictures, there was things around him. If, in other words, James used the example of when he told Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, there was rocks around. Jesus, when he spoke, there was things around him that helped bring to life what he was saying. Well, I read that it could have been very likely Jesus being on the Mount of Olives was talking about it being cast into the Dead Sea. In other words, there was a peak, there was a mountain that could have been used, and the Dead Sea could have been uh, could have been visibly seen from where they were standing, which would again bring life to what he's saying, bring I think impact to what he is saying. But I'll be honest with you, as I read these verses, even myself, I struggled a little bit this week. And what what is being said? How many this morning? Have you have ever prayed a prayer that you felt like has, you've prayed prayers that feel like have not been answered? Kind of that same thing I mentioned in introducing the passage. You hear, you're reading it. It says, if you say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and it be cast into the sea, and if you do this and believe fully, then you will have what you ask. Verse 24 specifically says, what things soever ye desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and the Bible says you shall have them. How many of you feel like you could go over here to Rocky Face and cast it into one of the lakes around us? Again, where is, where is the understanding here? What is, what is being 
said, the Bible says that whatever you pray, if you believe that you receive them, you shall have them. Well, certainly the point of these verses is not to teach us that we can manipulate God's creation, that we can distort and alter God's creation. The emphasis here is faith. That if God so sees fit to take a mountain and cast it into the sea, then we have to have the kind of faith in Him that He can do that very thing. So certainly you and I cannot miss in these verses the wonderful and powerful possibilities of prayer. The impossible can be done through prayer. I read that in studying this week that uh, this could this moving a mountain, and I read this in the ESV study Bible, that moving a mountain was a metaphor in Jewish literature for doing what was seemingly seemingly impossible. The things that you desire to be done in your life, the things that you look at and think, man, I would love to see the Lord do this, or things that you look at and you say, I can never do that. I can never accomplish this. I can never change that. I can never save my children. I can never restore my home. I can never do whatever it is that's on your heart to see done. These verses do remind us and do encourage us that the impossible can be done through prayer. Of course, God's power is what you and I are engaging in, what you and I are drawing into the situation when we pray. It's His power that is limitless. Of course, it's not the, it would have never been the disciples' power and in their ability to remove a mountain, to make it cast into a sea. What the Lord is teaching them is God can do whatever we ask of Him to do. You'll never bring a request to God and God say, I would love to do that for you, but that's, I, I can't. The stress here for you and I to learn is faith. Prayer will enable us to do what we can never do on our own, because we're bringing the power of God into the situation. If there's a certain sin you struggle with, something you battle with every day, and you've realized that there's no way you can conquer that on your own, that you can overcome that on your own, well, prayer is our confidence where you and I can do what we can never do on our own. The heart here, again, which we've mentioned, but the heart of prayer, all prayer, this prayer, all prayer is dependence on God. The disciples realizing that if a mountain needs to be moved, they can't do it. And the heart of all praying is realizing what needs to be done, we need Him. It's leaning on His power, it's leaning on His authority. But one thing I think this statement does beg the question of these verses is what kind of things are you desiring? What kind of request are you lifting to God in prayer? And I think this is where some of the clarity comes from, where we read these verses and we think, I, I, I don't have this kind of power in prayer. If we're, if we're just being honest, Lord, I, I, I can't call down fire from heaven. I think a lot of the clarity in understanding what's being said is remembering the focus is on faith. That if God sees fit to move a mountain, God can move a mountain. But also, what kind of things are we asking for? If, if you read these verses and you think, man, I'd love to be able to go out here and say, Lord, move my truck two parking spots over without me even getting in my truck. That's, 
if that's our understanding we take away from these verses, we have failed in understanding these verses. That's not what the Lord is, is teaching us. And mature saints, they grow, that's not what our heart's desire is. Our prayers are our desires, the things we're asking for. We know from other passages of Scripture to draw from them are regulated by two things, if you will. And that is, well, as the ESV Study Bible puts it, God is capable of granting any prayer, though we must ask with godly motives and according to God's will. James 4.3 says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. If the things we're desiring for are to fulfill lusts, ungodly desires that we have, then naturally we can see that those are not prayers being prayed in faith. We can see why those prayers, if we can call them that, are not answered, but also with according to God's will. If it is God's will for this mountain that's referred to in verse 23 to be moved into the sea, then it goes back to the faith that God can do what He says and desires to be done. The thing to remember is that to help keep this in a proper perspective is that prayer is not for personal glorification and fulfilling ungodly desires. It was ne if never the aim of prayer for the disciples to be able to woo all their counterparts by doing miraculous things. But we pray in full confidence that what we're asking of the Lord, He can do. And prayer is how we do the things that we can never do on our own. Because we have faith in Him. The one who's able to tell a fig tree to, to curse the fig tree and it'll never bring forth fruit again. The one with that power, that's the one who we have confidence in. But then also this morning, and we seen, saw this in the Lord's Prayer. Next week, if we look at Luke 11, which there's more there. Uh, in other words, there's, the Lord goes on to talk about uh, the persistence in praying, but Luke 11 also records the Lord's Prayer, and you'll see this again, but a mark that is mentioned here again about prayers that are powerful, prayers that make a difference, is forgiveness. Verse 25, he says, and when you stand praying, and I read that was just a posture of prayer. We've, we read with Ezra about, and you see people falling on their face, and people being bowed down like that well that was the posture when people were overly broken and overly burdened but this was kind of just a typical if you will posture of prayer when you stand praying forgive if you have aught against any that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses but if you do not forgive neither will your father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses when we are praying, we are to do so without harboring unforgiveness in our hearts. There will be times, and I think these verses give us insight to this, when people will fail you, people will let you down, people will sin. Of course, there's all sins against God, but there will be times when people sin against you. And it is a hindrance to our prayer, prayers and our prayer life, and we cannot find Forgiveness in our hearts for that person. 
The reality here is not to minimize the hurt that that sin may have caused you or the impact it might have had on your life, but nonetheless, we demonstrate forgiveness. We understand that what, the, what we're being taught here is not that if we don't forgive someone when we pray that we lose our salvation, but it's a hindrance to our relationship with the Father. It's a hindrance with, in our relationship through prayer. We forgive others so that discord is not brought between us and our Father. We don't, in other words, we don't maintain our salvation, if you will, by forgiving others. But a lack of, of forgiveness hinders and harms our own fellowship with God. And here's, here's why we forgive. Because we understand that we need our own forgiveness from God. That's what drives our forgiveness for others. As he says, if you have all against any, that your father also in heaven which is that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. We forgive others understanding and re fully recognizing that we need forgiveness ourselves. Forgiveness is often hard to show. But I am confident of this. If we will recognize this morning our own need of forgiveness from God, then we'll be much quicker to offer forgiveness to others. Similar to this morning, I was uh, teaching for Pastor James and in John 8, as I mentioned, we were looking at this, the... The Pharisees there, they learned a lesson that you have to be careful about being too quick to, to throw a stone. Because they, as the Lord dealt with them, understood they hadn't recognized that they had sin in their own life. And you and I will recognize the same. And therefore we forgive others, knowing that we need our own forgiveness. And verse number 26 serves as that warning. If you do not forgive... If you cannot, through God's grace, offer forgiveness, then your Father which is in heaven, neither will He forgive you your trespasses. So this is a serious matter. It's a serious spiritual matter in your life that you offer forgiveness to people who have sinned and specifically sinned against you. It's a significant and meaningful area of your walk with Christ. Is there anything this morning that you can ask of God that He cannot do? Well, the answer, as our text reminds us, is absolutely not. If God sees fit according to His will and according to godly motives, if He sees fit to move a mountain into the sea, then that's exactly what God can do. And when you and I pray, we have to pray with this kind of faith. In other words, you should never lift a prayer or desire to God and think, this is pointless. This is a waste of time. That's faithless. That's faithless. We pray with full confidence that if this is according to God's will, and my desiring praying this is pure, for His glory and not for my own, and if we hear verse 24, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. We have faith in God. 
But also, something else we learned about prayer again last week, this week, is that part of prayer should be a self-examination. Because if we remember verses 25 and 26, then every time we pray, we're going to have to examine our own heart every single time and ask ourselves, am I harboring unforgiveness? Is there something in my heart, is there something in my life that is hindering me from praying as I should? And even that has struck me this week. Many times you find you study something, maybe something sticks with you more than other things, and that's, that's the reality that has stuck with me this week. That every time I bow my head to pray, or every time you may if you pray, if you drive down the road and try to commune with your Lord, if you think about constantly what that should bring, self-examination, to reflect upon our life and evaluate our heart to see if there's unforgiveness that needs to be dealt with. If we do that every time we pray, one or two things is going to happen. We're going to grow spiritually. We're going to deal with those things. We're going to quit praying. And by God's grace, we pray that would not be the response. I read this quote and studying, and then I, I saw, I actually saw it on, I don't know if it's because our technology watches us or I don't know, maybe it saw, I typed it in my, my notes here, but I saw later, and I think it was said by Adrian Rogers, at least some version of what the quote I'm about to give, because where I originally read it, it didn't say who said it, uh, but I think the quote concludes our text well this morning as we, as we stand together, and our musicians, if they'll come around and begin uh, prepare to, for invitation, uh, but the quote was, when it comes to praying in faith, most of us pray for rain, but do not carry our umbrellas. I think there's reality to that. I think if the text teaches us anything, it teaches us if you're going to pray for rain to carry your umbrella. To pray in full confidence in God's power. So as again, as we stand this morning, if you have a need, then listen to the great news of these verses. That you cannot bring anything to God that He cannot do. Nothing. Say, preacher, what I'm asking is a big ask. Well, as you've heard it said, we have a big God. So whatever you're bringing to Him, He will never respond to you by saying, I'm sorry. I'd love to do that for you, but I can't. Have faith in Him. He may not answer you, though, when you want or how you want. And in those areas, we bring ourselves in submission to His will. But we know that our requests are never not answered because He is unable to to fulfill them. And with that confidence, you can pray for whatever's on your heart this morning. If there's, through verse 25 and 26, God has brought reality to your heart that there's unforgiveness that needs to be dealt with, that'd be a good opportunity to deal with that this morning. As Mark comes around and leads us in a song, if you need to respond to the word of the Lord this morning, it's your opportunity to do so. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.